Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, you know what? I am so excited, BRC, to be able to come and deliver the talk today on this very special day. When Pastor Scott asked me, he said, hey, you want to do it on uh, June the 18th? And I was like, sure, because I didn't know what June 18th was. So kind of like most of us, right? We're kind of like, oh, what, what are we doing here today? What's, what, what's the big deal? Why the donuts? Why so many dads today, right? But I'm so excited for you all that don't know me. My name is Abraham Hardy. I'm actually one of the volunteers in the kindergarten to the fifth grade classroom. And every once in a while, I get out and I get a chance to play with the big kids. So I am super excited. But the question is, before we jump into this, the question is, what in the world are we celebrating today? That's the question. What? are you celebrating? You see, it's a little bit confusing, right? Kind of what's going on. Um, because if you think about it, you know, what's your favorite Father's Day song? Pin drop silence. Exactly, right? Exactly. But if I was to ask you what's your favorite Mother's Day song, those other people, right? You say, which one? Right? You know, if you like a little boys to men, it's mama, mama, you know I love you. Right? You know that one? Yeah? All right. Now, some of you guys, that's not your generation, not your genre, but it could be something more along the lines of the Backstreet Boys. You will always be the perfect fan. Boom, boom, boom. Right? That's the Mother's Day song. What do we have for dads? Papa was a rolling stone, yeah, 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 right? That's what we have, all right? Now, some of you, you may not be familiar with that one, or maybe it's one of these. Whose bed have your boots been under, mm -mm -mm -mm. right? That's all we have as dads, right? We, we're kind of like that second-class citizen. At least that's how we're looked upon in culture, you know, and it's kind of sad a little bit. This is kind of the sad part of the show where they play the music in the background of the TV dad, that sentimental moment. Na, 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 na. So this is one of the things that's a little bit sad about that. Did you know that about 85% of those individuals that are incarcerated come from fatherless homes? Health and wealth of families is significantly decreased in single-family homes, specifically ones that are without a father. But there's help on the horizon. Individuals that are involved with mentorship, those that are mentees, actually have a higher success rate as far as going back to school, getting a good job, and even becoming mentors themselves. 81% of those individuals that come from fatherless homes but get involved with a mentor are 81% more likely to get involved in extracurricular activities, sports, drama club, things of that nature, right? having that self-worth. So why is it that the restaurants are kind of stuck? Today, restaurants are kind of, you're like, I don't know, do we staff the whole thing or do we kind of like bring half staff and maybe we'll call them in around 12 or 1 o'clock today, right? They don't know. They got to run all these different type of deals in the restaurants. You'll see stuff like burgers and beer, burgers and beer meal deals, right? We may see something like a salad and steak with the screwdriver set, right? Or maybe we'll see something like cupcakes and car parts, right? All these different BOGO deals to get the men, to get the family to just come out and celebrate this wonderful day we call Father's Day. But I have an interesting fact for you. Interesting fact, not that I'm keeping score, but interesting fact is that we spent approximately $11 billion less 
on Father's Day than we did on that other day. What is it? Not St. Patty's Day, uh, not Independence Day, oh, Mother's Day. $11 million less, right, on the Father's Day. Now, shouldn't be a big deal, but it kind of bothers me a little bit because I don't even know why we spent $1 billion on Father's Day. Let me break it down for you, just in case you're concerned. What fathers want on Father's Day is free. Uh-oh, got quiet. Uh-oh, let me break it down for you. See, it's actually free if you know what I'm trying to say. Now, if you don't know what I'm trying to say, even me hinting at it makes you a little bit uncomfortable, but that's okay because I'm the guest pastor. I don't have to come back next week, right? <laughs> but let me, let, me, let me try to make it a little bit more wholesome for you. You see, let me do it in a little riddle. Society wants us to have it, but does everything it can to take it away from us. You think about it? Okay, I got another one for you. Too much of it is offensive, but too little is mocked. Now, for you ultra-Christians in here, we'll go biblical. What Samson attempted to demonstrate, but Jesus intentionally suppressed. And you're right, it does start with an S. Security in our masculinity. That's something that a man thinks about on a regular basis, on an everyday basis, even today. Security in our masculinity. Because there's so many things pulling us away from that. Even saying the word masculine is almost a little bit offensive. But that's what God has for us to be as fathers, as men. Our society tells us so many different things. Matter of fact, before we say that, we always say society. Those people, they say, survey says, latest research says. That's what I'm talking about. Our surroundings, our culture tells us how we should be and how we should not be. Having us put on this fake covering, i.e. the TV dad with the mustache and the the really bad clothes, right? Uh, This is how the father should be coming in the door and everybody cheers. Hello, father's home. Hmm. Yeah. Put on this fake view of ourselves kind of changing our personality from when we leave the house to when we go to our place of employment, then we come back. Kind of like personality spanks. Yeah, a little too close to home, a little personality spanks. Meaning we're one way when we're at home, but when we go to work, we put on this covering to squeeze into that we're not meant to fit into, but we can't wait to get back to our normal selves. Because society puts these pressures on us as men to be and to act a certain way. If you don't believe me, maybe this picture can sum it up. Picture worth a thousand words. Yeah, even causes me to change my voice a little bit. There's a man on a cliff with a, with a beverage that's not water. Looking over the city, all he can conquer. And of course, he has a Corvette or a Porsche, or something that I don't have in my own home, (laughs) right? That's the view that society says, this is manhood. Now, this guy, we don't know what his age is, but we may not be that age anymore. This is what's pushed in the movies, in culture, our favorite celebrities. But meanwhile, our real life looks a little bit more like this, right? Yeah, and it's funny, but is it really funny, though, or is it really, really masculine? A man hanging out with his kids, playing ball with the family in a minivan. 
I always say my most masculine part of the day, I believe, or part of the week is when I'm riding down 81, taking my girls in the carpool with five little girls in the back and we're singing kid bop songs all the way down, right? That's when I'm the most masculine because I'm being someone who is consistent, someone who's protector, someone who is loving, someone who is trusted by the other parents to take their kids down the interstate in my minivan. Oh, yeah. Now, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're not quite that father yet. So maybe society is kind of putting this type of pressure on you. Another picture here. Oh, yeah. This is my man. He's got a little bit of ginger snaps and a little bit of paprika on the side. I don't know what I want to have today. Maybe I'll have both, right? I can do that because I'm a man, right? That's what society kind of pushes on us. But if we fast forward this clock, maybe 15, 20 years down the road, the picture changes a little bit. Uh-oh, he's serving a little bit different. Got a military guy now. He's serving something bigger than his own wants and needs. But he's still got the ladies, but in a different step. Now he's got two little ones that he's trying to raise to protect them. But he's absolutely terrified of who, who they may meet, when they may meet, because he's thinking that maybe their mate may end up being the same way he was when he was younger. Mm. That's what society gets us in this cyclical cycle of all these different pressures. What's our identity? And this identity spanks to try to squeeze us into a box that we aren't meant to fit in. So what I want to do today, I want to look through four common characteristics that we see as we relate to fatherhood or masculinity. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this. I guarantee we're going to have a lot of fun with this one. You see, one of the reasons why we're going to have a lot of fun, man, this is for us today. See, this isn't Husband's Day. This ain't about us being a good husband today. It's about being a good father. But here's the kicker, ladies. See, if he's a good father, if he's a protecting father, if he's a loving father, if he's a supporting father, he will be a better husband. So hold tight as well. That's what we're going to discuss today. But in order to free ourselves from all the things that are around us telling us how we should be, how we should act, what we should do, we have to free ourselves. Some of us are already free, but some of us are not because we're still taking in what we're seeing on our, on our Insta-snap. I got to change the words up so I don't get in trouble, right? Yeah, on our accounts, on our phone, from the news and things that tell us how we need to be. We got to free ourselves. So let's look at our learning point number one. Now, for you all that are new to here to Blue Ridge Church, you can take your smartphone out. Yeah, we like phones in church, which is pretty cool. You can take a picture of that little QR code that's in front of you. That way you can get the church center app and kind of follow along with us while we're here today. Learning number one, my independence in Christ frees me from society's view of my worth and value. See, because we have this conditional type love for dads, not for moms. Mom can mess up. Mom can pick us up late from school. Mom can maybe forget to pack the lunch in. I'm going to pick stereotypical things we think about, right? But it's okay. It's my mom. I love mom. Mother's Day is coming. Oh, we got to do, we got to plan a month in advance. But fathers, though, oftentimes it's conditional. What have you done for the family? What are you working on? What is your worth? How are your actions? You see, that independence in Christ, Christ says he loves us even when we didn't know him. He loves us. He loves me being up here the same way that he loves me when I'm out. 
at work. He loves you so much here the same way he loves you when you're out and you're in your place of work or your home. God's love is not conditional. It's unconditional. We find our freedom in Jesus Christ. The frightening thing about this view of our culture and society, it's literally killing men. If you don't believe me, the AFP, the American Association of Family Physicians, did a study. They looked back at some old data as it relates to suicide data, dating back to 2005 to 2015. I call that pre-BC, not before Christ, before COVID. That's how I date everything now. It's so much easier, right? It's like, oh, when did you, uh, when did you get married? Was it BC? It was BC. Oh, okay, yeah, before COVID, right? So with that being said, this was old data, so it's changed since then. But there was a 20% increase in that 10-year time period as it relates to suicide in general. It's the third leading cause of death for individuals between the age of 10 and 34. Why is that important? More so the 20s, the 30s, that's that reproductive time where men are starting families, but maybe they're going through some things in their personal life that haven't been resolved because the pressures of not knowing our independence and these other characteristics that I'm going to talk about today. And most importantly, men are four times more likely to die from suicide. Now, all these life expectations are causing us an insurmountable amount of pressure for our value that none of us were meant to carry. We can see this in the scripture. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. It says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, we could literally do a whole series just on Romans chapter 12, and specifically this verse, verses 1 and 2, because we're trying to identify what our worth is. How do we figure out how much God really wants me? God wants all of you. He wants the wake up in the early morning you, the you, all of you. That's what God wants, not our services that we do throughout the week, our good deeds that we find ourselves doing. He wants all of us. Now, in the process of getting all of us, now this he says what I want you to do. Don't be conformed by all the stuff that you're surrounded by. Everything that's telling you to act a certain way, when you go out in public, one of the things that bother me is like, oh, yeah, how's it going with the old ball and chain? What? How's it going with your old lady? Huh? If she's not happy, then nobody's happy. What? It's a little saying that we say, live in the dream. We usually say that when we're having a bad day. I'm just living the dream, just doing my work, living the dream, driving my van. I wish they'd be quiet back there, right? Living the dream. We say these things, they become a part of who we really start to believe, and we stop believing in God, identifying what our independence comes from. This is so important. Then we try to live up to the will of other people. You see, our masculinity not only requires us to have an independence, a freedom from what we're around, but having that strength. You see, 
because we think of strength as two different things. We kind of think of these illegal weapons that I brought into church today. This one, and then, of course, his twin brother. This jacket is really thick, though, by the way. They're really not like that. So, but strength we think of in something like that. When I think of strength, I think of my dad, strong, kind of like Samson. Samson in the Bible. Now, here's the cool thing about Samson. One of my favorite in individuals in the Bible. See, because Samson was set apart from the beginning, from the jump. Before he could talk, he was set apart to be a Nazarenite. Now, Nazarenites had three things they weren't supposed to do. Don't drink fermented drinks. Don't touch dead things. Don't cut your hair. Let it flow. In my case, let it stay curly. Okay? That's all he had to do. And he was doing wonderful things for God fighting for the Lord, winning battles for the Lord. But you see, with time comes pressure. With pressure, you start to crack a little bit if, you don't, if you're not sure where you are. So now he starts not doing the things that he's supposed to be doing. He's drinking fermented drinks, and he's touching dead things. And then he runs into uh, a distraction called Delilah. Now, let me break it down for you. Uh, Delilah, some of us, that we may not have a Delilah in our lives. That's what we think. I'm talking about like Delilah from the Bible, body 10, face 10, like Delilah, like it was like before deodorant was out, Delilah still smelled good, that type of distraction. Now, for some of us, that may not be our issue, okay? Your distraction may be your cell phone. Your distraction may be your work ethic. If I could just make a couple more hundred dollars here, our family would be safe. But what we really need is your attention. And that's the hard part about being a father. How do we balance this? I don't have the answer. The Bible has the answer, right? How do we balance these things? Unfortunately, Samson had distractions. We have distractions. He fell short. Then he calls out to the Lord. This is Judges chapter 16, verses 28. It says this, Samson prayed to the Lord. He said, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just one more time. And let me, with one blow, get revenge on these Philistines for my two eyes. Literally his two eyes. They plucked his eyes out after shaving his head and beating him. He got his strength back, but he had already messed up three times. Yeah, he already messed up three times. But see, once he realized his strength comes from God, not in the things that are around him. So our learning point number two, pretty straightforward. Our strength comes from the Lord. Not from the gym, not from your, your accolades, not from where you are at work, not for your years of service. It comes from the Lord. Next, our independence, our strength. How about this? Picture is worth a thousand words. Maybe this is kind of how our, our current work structure is set up. Maybe this is how our current home structure. Maybe this is what we're used to seeing growing up as a kid, right? We can maybe take boss off and put dad, father, poppy, whatever term you want to use and put it right up there. Leading from barking orders. This is the mission of the family, but let's go, let's go, let's go. Opposed to being that leader, which is that third characteristic, that leader in the home which says, hey, follow my example. I'm pulling along with you. We all have the mission. And I love this. This used to be my screensaver back in the day. But then I realized being a leader takes a lot of work, so I had to take it down because leadership is hard, right? Leadership is really, really hard because when things are good, it's all good. But when it's not, it's really tough. Learning point number three, 
An effective leader will ask for the opinions of those he works for. And once again, I'm using the term he because we're on Father's Day today. It's so important that we pull the opinions of those that we work for. In my occupation, I work for the residents. I work for the patient. I work for my family and try to lead by that example. And it's hard. But here's a good example of really good leadership requiring us to have spiritual masculinity and also to be humble at the same time. A really good uh, Bible story is coming from the book of Philemon. Some of you guys are like, Phil who? Philemon is kind of like that book like Naaman. It's kind of like you're flipping through the Bible and you happen to come across it. And then you're like, you had to check another book just to make sure that it's in the other book. Right? It's one of those really small books of the Bible. You thought you discovered it and you wanted to call and tell your grandma. Look what I found. No one? That's just me? Okay, that's me then. All right. All right. Story of Philemon. Here's the cool thing about Philemon. It's only one chapter. Philemon was this guy who was a rich guy. He had lots of property. He had some slaves. One of his slaves did him wrong. We don't really know what it was, but he did something wrong. In the process of him doing something wrong, he fled. And he ran into this guy named Paul. Now, Paul is awesome. Paul is so awesome, he's in jail a lot for the Lord. See, he used to persecute Christians, but now he's on fire for God. And he's in jail again. And he's preaching and ministering. He runs into this guy named Onesimus, who's the slave. Now, here's the thing. Onesimus, now working with Paul, becomes a believer. Paul, can you really use Onesimus to spread the word where he is? But he says, you know what? I need to be a leader and ask Philemon to take him back. But not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. But he gives him that option. He listens to his opinions. He says, hey, Philemon, I would love for you to take him back. In the Bible, it says this in um, Philemon chapter 1, verse 18. It should just be Philemon because it's only one chapter. But Philemon chapter 1, verse 18, it says this. If he has harmed you in any way or stolen anything from you, charge me for it. He says, I want to take that leadership responsibility. I will take the punishment for what he's done. Even though he's incarcerated, he's going to get out soon. But he says, hey, I'll take that punishment. I am asking you to please take Onesimus back as a brother, not as a slave. So we talked about how important it is to have our independence, how we have to have our strength, how we need to have that leadership. Takes us to our next one, learning point number four, which is courage is not the absence of fear, but the presence of mind to try even if you may fail. How many people like to succeed? Okay, that's good. How many people like to fail? Yeah. But one kind of counts for the other, right? We have to try different things at times to have that failure to understand and to be able to respond appropriately to success. Fathers in here, we have a lot of failures. We try some things with our kids, maybe when they were younger, maybe now that they're older, maybe that they're out of the house now. For you all out there that don't have children, maybe in your own life, right? Your father may have had some failures through that process. Maybe you don't know who your father was. So there's some failures there as well, right? But we have to have courage to try even if we don't know the answers. As men, we still got to try. Sometimes that means responding versus reacting. My little girl said to me the other day, 
uh, when we were talking and we had a situation at the house and I was just sitting there after the situation and she looked at me and she said, Poppy, she says, how do you do that? And I said, what are you talking about? She goes, you never like react. And I said, babe, I'm reacting a whole lot on the inside. But what I have to do is look at this situation and be an example and respond to the situation. Because by doing that, I teach you how to respond. But trust me, that doesn't work all the time. That's why she was so shocked when I did that time. She's like, whoa, you're so chill. What happened? Right? In uh, Second Chronicles, we'll see this in chapter 16, verse 9. It says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. What a fool you have been. Where are we going with this? Little backstory. What a fool you have been is talking about King Asa. King Asa was in charge of Judea. Now, he was a really cool king. He was doing really cool stuff for God. He was leading battles for the Lord, taking over lands for the Lord. But he encountered an army that was a lot in number, and he started getting some fear in his heart. His courage was shook a little bit. He was losing his independence from what he knew that God had done for him, but listening to other people. You can't fight this army. You don't have enough men. So he partners up with a group of folks who he shouldn't. And, of course, he ultimately loses that battle, loses his kingdom, and ultimately he dies. Isn't that like it is when we encounter struggles? What do we go to, men, when we're having that struggle? Some of us, it may be the phone. Some of it may be the Internet. Some of it may be, I just need to go take a walk. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But we got to come back to address that issue. Some of us grew up in a home that when our dads needed to have courage, maybe they walked away and went to a drink, maybe went to another family. That may be something that we're carrying in that baggage in our background. We don't know how to handle it. That's the only way we know. Fear is tricky, one of those things like that. It's so tricky. Asa had limitless fear, but he had limited courage. If we look at Mark chapter 8, verses 35, it says, If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. We talked about the four different qualities, characteristics that we see that are often sometimes perverted in our culture. So what's a remedy? How do we fix that? Well, we can fix it in the term father. It's an acronym. It actually stands for something, which is pretty cool. So if we break it down, here's six reminders of how we can remain masculine fathers in the faith. So F, F stands for following. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, it says this. If we are living now by the Holy Spirit, let us follow the Holy Spirit leading in every part of our lives. Not just the church part, not just the treating our spouse part, not in the, just in the part of trying to raise our friends, but when things go wrong. When we encounter people at work that probably deserve a little physical encouragement, but perhaps we lead by the Spirit instead. A and Father, that's approval. It says this in Galatians chapter 1, verses 10. It says, obviously, I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. No, I'm trying to please God. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be Christ's servant. So those personality spanks that we roll on every day, 
There's a facade. You can say, you know what? I don't even need those anymore. What I need is to walk out of the house, take God with me when I go to work. You know what? They wronged me yesterday. They wronged me the day before, but I got to be consistent in who I am and what I stand for and function in that Holy Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. The T. The T stands for trusting. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says this. It says, I myself may, not, may no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I live the life on this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Look, if you know somebody who's willing to die for you, that's a really good person to have in your life. But you have somebody who's done that already. Died for you in all your brokenness, in all, your, all the stuff that you've done in your life, died for you already. So you're good enough. You're good enough for what takes us to the point of H, that we have to put in that little bit of work to get that harvest. Some of us have to put in a lot of work because the ground that we've already laid has been so rugged and dry. But we have to work it and sow it and have that harvest. And that harvest will come. Then we have E, which is everything. In Galatians chapter 4 through 7, it talks about everything. I'm no longer a slave, but I'm God's own child. Even if you're not a believer, you're God's child. He's just waiting for you to come home. Come home and follow him. And everything belongs to you. Jesus said it in the, in his own, in the Bible. He says, Jesus said, you can even do even greater things than me. That's coming from Jesus. How awesome is that? That's the power that we have as being men, fellas. And for ladies, he says that to you as well. But today's Father's Day. So we have to remember that. Then it takes us to R, which is righteousness. Realizing that we're not righteous on our own. We're not righteous on how much we give to the church. We don't give to the church. How well we do with raising our kids. How well we do at the workplace or anything like that. We're righteous because Jesus Christ died and made us right, that we can talk to God like he's our best friend. We can talk to God in the car. We can talk to God while we're walking. It's kind of like one of those Dr. Seuss books. You can talk to God when you're in a box. You can talk to God when you're hanging with a fox. You can talk to God here or there. You can talk to God anywhere. Following the approver, trusting the harvest process, because everything is through righteousness given to us by Christ's death on the cross. Father. Let's watch this quick clip here. We are inviting any man whose heart is willing and courageous to join us in this resolution. In my home, the decision has already been made. You don't have to ask who will guide my family, because by God's grace, I will. You don't have to ask who will teach my son to follow Christ, because I will. Who will accept the responsibility of providing and protecting my family? I will. Who will ask God to break the chain of destructive patterns in my family's history? I will. Who will pray for and bless my children to boldly pursue whatever God calls them to do? I am their father. I will. I accept this responsibility and it is my privilege to embrace it. I want the favor of God and his blessing on my home. Any good man does. So where are you men of courage? Where are you fathers who fear the Lord? It's time to rise up and answer the call that God has given to you. And to say, I will. I will. I will. 
having your kids look at you and say, Father, who is going to, Dad, who is going to, Poppy, who is going to help me with this? Who's going to take me? Who's going to help me understand this situation, these problems that I'm having in my life? How am I going to be able to get from here to there, Dad? I don't know how to do it. How cool will it be for you to say, I'll show you because we're going to do it together. And the best part about it is we don't need a TV dad or anything like that. We just need you as a father to do those things. Let's have you bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that we have a place that we can come and worship. We thank you, Lord God, that you don't request for us to be perfect. You request for us to be present, and we're grateful for that. Lord God, I just ask that you be with all these men that are going through different things in their lives, those that may have a family structure that is solid, those that are struggling right now, those that are on the other side of a relationship that didn't work, Lord God. But I ask that you can help them to be a better father, the best father that they can ever be in their lives because they understand that responsibility. I am learning that responsibility on a day-to-day basis. Lord God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you gave your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. And all we have to do is to say, I accept you, Lord. And it's done. And we can follow you. And you will give us that extra power and strength to make it through so we know who our independence is. We can have the appropriate amount of strength that comes from you. We can have courage to fight anything as we lead our families to the next stage. And we're grateful for that. We thank you for loving us and all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So maybe that was your prayer today. Maybe for you, you want to make those next right steps where we could want to make sure that you fill out, uh, go on the church app and you can fill out or fill out the blue cards in the back there so we can get you some information, right, for those next right steps. What's next for you as a father? Or maybe it's as a mother or as whoever is here today. Maybe it's a daughter or a son. So we just thank you so much for coming to Blue Ridge Church. God bless you and take care.